Welcome in to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein, joined by Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. This is the unofficial VCU basketball podcast connected with the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, meeting every single week to give you guys an inside look at the VCU basketball team. All four of us are diehard fans. We're going to be positive. We're going to be hyping up this team throughout the season. I think it's going to be a successful season. As I said, I'm Adam Epstein here with Connor Bailey. What's going on, Bales? I'm ready to go, man. Uh, we had our first exhibition game this past Saturday against Chippensburg. And, uh, heck, we're six days away from playing Manhattan to kick off the season at the Seagull Center. Caleb Jones, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Looking forward to your stats throughout the year. Yes, sir. And Chris Mason. How's it going? Going pretty well, man. So, exhibition Saturday, VCU with the win. What was it, 88-53, to Connor? Uh, Shippensburg, you know, Coach Rhodes said that he wanted to go against Shippensburg because of the style of offense that they run, and he thought it'd be a good test for our defense. I agree. And uh, early on, uh, Shippensburg it was, it was pretty competitive. Early on in the first, you know, I'd say ten or so minutes. Uh, if if memory serves, the last eight minutes of that first half, they scored three points. So our defense really locked down. And same with the start of the second half. It was a completely different ball game. I looked up at the scoreboard, and all of a sudden, we went from like up ten to up twenty to thirty. Exactly, and a lot of it, in my opinion, can I? I'm going to go ahead and, and I'll tell you right now, Fats Billups was my guy for the game. I love yeah. that. He, he didn't do a whole lot in the black and gold game. It was apparently kind of quiet in the Villanova scrimmage, but right off the bench, we were kind of kind of a little a little slow on offense, a little sluggish, had turned the ball over. And Fats Billups, I tell you, he runs like a darn Clydesdale out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just long strides, and he just glides to the rim. So he hit his first three of the game, and then the very next possession, they swung it to him in the corner. He pump faked, took a dribble in, and hit a three. It was like right in front of where you were sitting. Freshmen don't hit that shot. Most of the time, they have so much energy, so much juice, that when they pump fake and step inside the three-point line, they airball it over the rim. Exactly, and it was a swish. It was. I mean, I, I'm I'm sitting, you know, five feet away. I was sitting courtside, so you know, I was had a pretty good view myself. But uh, <laughs> Fats, perfect. Like you said, pump fake. Take a dribble, shoot a jumper, and I tell you, it's a pretty jumper from what we've seen so far. My biggest takeaway was the performance of Jalen Deloach getting the start there. You know, a lot was said about his play last year, and he stepped in as a freshman, but there were he was behind some big guys, Levi Stockard, Hassan Ward. This season, there's nobody really there to compete with him except for the transfer Brandon Johns, in my opinion. And so Jalen Deloach was the leading scorer with 15 points. And Caleb, I thought he was really strong under the basket. You know, that's going to be big this season. Can he be able to go up with the big men of the A-10 and without getting bullied around, you know, because he isn't the biggest sophomore. Absolutely. I mean, he's our anchor on defense, and a lot's going to be called on him from the from the offensive end as well. Um, and we're going to need him to finish down low, give us the post presence, and uh, hopefully Brandon Johns can do the same once he comes back from that uh, broken nose. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to mention. Um, Brandon Johns collided with Jalen Deloach in practice Friday, so he didn't play. So that's something to monitor there. Yeah, uh, Chris Kowalczyk of VCU said he would be able to return for the November 7th season opener against Manhattan. We do need to discuss, though, Connor, the biggest takeaway from this game has to be the amount of three-point shots the team got up. Way more than the average last season of 16. Absolutely. Shooting 24 threes. Uh, shot a little better in the, in the second half, but 9 to 24. Could be better, could be worse, but I think early on in the first few minutes, we, we were really taking a lot of threes. Uh, I don't know if, if it was something Coach Rhodes went out of his way to say, hey, instead of 
you're playing a smaller team. Do you want to you want to shoot some jump shots? Get used to the gameplay if you're playing against a smaller team. And that's kind of the question. Was that the whole whole model of the game? But overall, got a lot of threes up and uh, shot pretty well. I think a lot guy a lot of guys had the green light, which was the opposite of last season. Yeah, what stood out to me was David Shriver um, took five threes, and he had 25 minutes. So I heard Coach Rhodes' uh, press conference the other day, and he was like, he has a green light. He doesn't shoot as much as I want. He'll never shoot as much as I want. He's a great like shooter. We want him going. And also something that stood out was um, Christian Furman played five minutes, so that was pretty surprising there. But he's a freshman, obviously, coming along. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I personally don't know when he's going to be ready to get more minutes this year. But you mentioned Shriver and the three-point shooting. I mean, that's going to be big, all right? So, like you said, he gave the green light to Shriver. He has a nice shot, and he really is able to get it up quickly. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though. Can he keep up with us defensively? Because that's going to be the biggest thing. I don't know if you can keep him in the lineup against some tough teams if we're running the full-court press all day, Havoc. I don't know if he can play that kind of a defense and still be able to provide on the offensive end. Yeah, I would say with Shriver, I trust Roos. I think that he's been with us for, I don't know, six months now. And I think that he's he's in the, the, the type of shape that it's going to take to, to keep up with us. And uh, with our depth, obviously, we can rotate pretty quickly. Uh, one thing I wanted to note on was I think that what was on display on Saturday was our depth from a three-point shooting uh, perspective. We have a lot of guys that can come out there and pull the trigger and I think that's going to be a big difference or a big change from what we saw last year. Moving along with your point, Caleb, uh, be honest, I think it goes beyond last year. I think it goes for the better part of the last eight to ten years. It just feels like we've always had one or two good shooters, but not like four or five guys. And, I mean, I, I look at the box score right now. We could have a lineup of Ace Baldwin, Jaden Nunn, Jameer Watkins, Zeb Jackson. Throw Brandon in, Johns. Put you, you put Brandon Johns at five. What if Schreiber comes in? What if Nick Kern comes in? And you're in a situation where all five guys on the floor can hit the three ball. And really, the only tw- the only team I've ever seen do that was the 2010-2011 team. And they were all right offensively. I, I have so. to agree, man. I mean, I feel like we finally have the shooters again since that Final Four run. I mean, after that, you know, we were still good for a few co- a few years. That You had Troy Daniels. You still had, you know, Jordan Burgess. Melvin came along. But this season, team is filled with shooters. You mentioned Zeb Jackson. I'm going to tell you guys right now. I think he's the most talented guard on this team. I'm not even joking, all right? There's a reason this guy went to Michigan. He is lengthy. He has that dog in him defensively. Offensively, I think he could take anyone one-on-one, go to the basket. He's got a great jump shot. It's going to be interesting because Coach Rhodes, I think, knows that too, but also knows Ace Baldwin's only a junior. Jay Nunn's only a sophomore. How do you play those guys and still get the Michigan transfer Zeb Jackson as minutes? So as you saw on, on uh, Saturday, Zeb Jackson played 16 minutes, uh, almost 17 minutes in the game. He's a guy I think will play 20-plus minutes as it goes on. He was my preseason in our very first spot, kind of my preseason newcomer to really watch out for because he's someone we didn't have a whole lot of tape on, but we know how we've seen videos of how athletic he is. And I tell you, man, he can get up. He had a dunk in the second half where I thought he was gliding through the air. Right. And so I don't know how you find ways to get him more minutes. Maybe even you put him uh, not in the starting lineup, but you pull Jaden Nunn early, put him in, and then have Jaden Nunn rock with the second unit. What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, I think it's great depth to have, especially Jameer coming off an ACL. Because I think that you can play Ace, Nunn, and Zeb all together with a with a nice three guard lineup, and I, I think you're going to see that especially early on in the season as Jameer comes back. This is the Black and Gold Podcast. I'm Adam. The 
This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein here with Connor Bailey, Caleb Jones, and Chris Mason. So the season begins November 7th when the Manhattan Jaspers come to town, Bailey. And I tell you, man, it's it's the the news that's happened the last week with Manhattan has been kind of surprising. It's very odd. So head coach gets canned right away, and it was just very very odd out of out of the blue. The AD, we don't know what happened. AD head coach in a awkward situation and whatnot. But then Jose Perez, their leading scorer, averages 19 points a game. Leaves is already committed to West Virginia, and two other players, Samba Diallo, who played 24 minutes a game last year, leaves the team has left the team too. So there's at least two players, potentially three, that are in the transfer portal that will not be in wearing uniform Monday night. So hard, hard team to scout for right now. And uh, Perez was the MAAC Conference preseason player of the year, so that's a huge loss. Yeah, already already committed to West Virginia, so you know the guy can play. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some more defections before Monday. They have to put their name in the portal before the season starts, so we really have no idea what we're looking at. No, but what do you want to see from VCU against a team that is kind of beaten down like this? I want to see us be dominant defensively. Bottom line is one team has something to lose on Monday night and another team doesn't, and VCU is the team that has something to lose. Manhattan right now, they're playing with their interim head coach, and they're going to come in. Maybe they hit a few jump shots early, but this is a game where you want to get up. I think you really want to get up by double digits by halftime. Uh, really use that length and athleticism we have, get some steals, get some fast break buckets, and have a double-digit lead going into halftime where you can really blow it open in the second half. Caleb, do you know how many turnovers VCU caused per game last year? Manhattan last year averaged 15 turnovers per game. So it feels like a team that we could you know, steal a ball from a ton. That's a good question. I do not know that figure off the top of my head. I would venture to say it was probably in the 14 to 16 range, so it might be on average with what Manhattan's doing, but I expect that we can force more than that uh, on Saturday. I'm it's sorry, Monday. It's going to be important to see what Brandon Johns Jr. is able to do. He's going to be a vital part of this team this year, coming off the broken nose. Are they going to kind of slowly bring him back, or will they put him into the starting lineup? How would you treat it? I'd be cautious, but um, he was a huge part in the black and gold scrimmage. He was a star of that game, so he was making outside shots, um, banging down low. So I, I think he'll be good to go, according to what you reported earlier. So um, I'd love to see him uh, be a star and just show what he's got uh, from the Big Ten. Well, I want to see from Johns Jr., and we know he's got some post moves down low, with the videotape we've seen from Michigan, but I'd love to see if he can pull out and shoot a, shoot a three-point jump shot in an actual game against an opponent. We saw it in the black and gold game, but if he can really spread the floor – as a big man in a conference that has had that recently in certain players and quite quite frankly college basketball in general the the new wave in professional basketball is to be able to shoot the three ball from any position and if you can really do that at all five positions Johns Jr can be an enormous asset to this team yeah that's definitely another thing to look out for in this Manhattan game the three point shooting we mentioned it it was up a ton in the exhibition game will it stay that way in the regular season I need Ace Baldwin to take and make more three-point shots this year. I want him to have the green light that the guys like Jaden Nunn have, the guys like David Shriver have, and Brandon Johns Jr. I want Ace to take more shots because I think it does really open up the floor more and give him the ability to drive to the basket and kick. It gives our offense a whole different dynamic. Not only does it you know, uh, open up things for Jaden Nunn, it, everyone else just has more spacing. You have to respect that. People are drawn to him. The pick and roll is a totally different animal when you have a shooter on the ball. So, yeah, I mean, Ace Ace needs to get his volume up. 
I mean, he was a low 40% shooter last year, and if he can shoot at that at that clip and, he, you know, he's, he's taking twice as many attempts, he's going to be scary. So the VCU basketball season begins November 7th when the Manhattan Jaspers come to the Siegel Center. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, and we wanted to take this time right now to discuss season MVP, the most important player, the glue guy for the team this year, and a breakout player, either a freshman or a transfer. Let's start with season MVP, and I'll go first here, all right, because I know you guys have always, you know, we've already talked about who we think is going to be the season MVP, and a lot of people are going to say he's Baldwin. I'm going to say it's going to be Jameer Watkins. All right, he's stepping in. Big shows to, shoes to fill. Huge shoes to fill with Vince Williams Jr., the impact that he had last year offensively and defensively, on the ball, off the ball. You know, everyone knew that he could get to the basket and also hit an outside shot, but his passing came on huge towards the end of last season. I think Jameer Watkins is ready to step into that spot. In the exhibition game, he hit his first three, and I could see it in his body language. That shot meant so much to him. One, to get back out on the court. Two, have the confidence to take and make the shot. And then three, it sets him up now to go to the basket when people are def- uh, afraid of your outside shot. You know, across college basketball in the offseason, you've seen a lot of publicity from about Ace Baldwin, a ton about Jaden Nunn potentially being a really breakout player in the A-10. But I'll tell you right now, I actually agree with you. Jameer Watkins is my MVP this year. Oh, come on! I think he's going to average 13, 14 points a game. I think he's not a first-team all-10 player, but I think he's a all-A-10 player when it's all said and done, probably second or third team, and is easily top 15 in scoring this year. I think he's going to blow up this season. Maybe we should have let Caleb go first then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm taking ace. I have to. Everything runs through him. He's our he's our quarterback, and uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's the most critical part to what we're doing. Talk about what kind of improvements he can make in his game. If he's going to be our season MVP this year, Caleb. Yeah, I'd say shooting more and cutting down on turnovers. Um, it's not that he's a super turnover-prone guard. Sometimes he just tries to make the fantastic, ridiculous pass that sometimes just sails out of bounds, and you're like, what, what was that? Um, so, yeah, you just got to gotta clean it up a little bit, shoot more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, he's he's a stud. I'm going to go with Brandon Johns Jr., just a big man. If he, We usually have good guards at VCU, but if we have a big guy who's athletic, has an offensive threat, can pop threes, that'd be huge and take the team to another level. So I'll go with him. All right, now the most important player, the glue guy. Maybe not the leading scorer, maybe not you know the best defender or the best offensive player, but the guy that you know if he's out of the lineup, the team is going to struggle. Who's the glue guy for this season? Connor, do you want to go first? Absolutely. Following up, Chris just said, my glue guy this year is Brandon Johns Jr. I think he's a guy, when he's on the floor, it'll be VCU's best offensive unit out there. Whether he's playing the four uh, with Jalen Deloge playing the five, or if he's we're going smaller, Deloge is sitting a few minutes and he's playing the five, I think our best lineup will be when Brandon Johns Jr. is in there. Does he have to score 12 points every game? No, but if he throws up eight points, seven, six, seven rebounds, assist or two, and just really controls the paint offensively and defensively, I think he's the glue guy for the 2022-2023 VCU Rams. Caleb? Uh, yeah, I agree with I agree with Connor there. I think that the versatility that he offers is is uh, probably the best part about what you know his entire makeup as a player. So, yeah, Brandon Johns is my glue guy. I'm going to go with Jalen Deloach, even though he might not score the most. He's just super competitive, and um, Coach Rhodes said he's working on the emotional maturity to be a competitive leader, so he's an underclassman captain. 
nicknamed by Mike Rhodes. So I think even if he doesn't give a ton offensively, just the effort and rebounding defense will he'll be the good glue guy of the year. That's a great point. The Mike Rhodes announced after the exhibition name the underclassmen. Uh, captains were Jalen Deloach and Jaden Nunn, and the actual captains for the team this year are Ace Baldwin and Brandon Johns Jr. That's huge. I mean, this guy came in the transfer portal, and he's earned the respect of his teammate. Brandon Johns Jr. being the captain is huge. All right, my glue guy, Nick Kern. I think he's going to play a lot more this season because of his ability to defend and also get out in transition. I mean, this guy's a dunker. We saw it in the exhibition game. We saw it at times last year. I think if his three-point shot improves and maybe his half-court offense, he's going to be more and more of an important piece this season. But he's my glue guy because I think he's going to come off the bench and provide that spark. Absolutely. And if you want to parlay to our next topic... Breakout player. Yeah, exactly. The X factor, the breakout player. You just mentioned Nick Kern. Nick Kern's my X factor breakout player this year. And the main reason why is in our previous pod, I mentioned there are six guys who I think are easily the top five, the five starters plus the next man in the rotation. And then you order Jameer Watkins, Jalen Deloach, Ace Baldwin, Jaden Nunn, Brandon Johns Jr. Six guy being Zeb Jackson. And I think the seventh guy is Nick Kern, and he's my X factor because I think he's someone off the bench could average seven or eight points a game, have a couple double-digit rounds, kind of like what you just said right there, but someone who can really get up athletically, can maybe hit a three or two here, and is very long, can get some steals defensively. He's my X factor this year. Chris? I will go with David Shriver. I just think if he's hitting threes like we discussed earlier, that's a game-changer for the team. So I'll go with him. Caleb? Yeah, I got my breakout player is going to be Zeb Jackson. Um, you know, he's a little bit of an unknown commodity just because the sample size at Michigan was so small. But like we said at the top, he's probably he could be the most talented player on our roster. I mean, coming out of high school, he's a top 100, maybe top 50 guy. So he's got all the tools, and now I think he's at a level where he can really ex- you know utilize all those tools. So. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see, but I, I think he's 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 due for a breakout for sure. You guys making it easier for me, man. The breakout player is obviously Alfonso Billups. Come on, man. Fats Billups <laughs> is the guy. He's just so smooth. He's quiet. Kind of reminds me of a young Trevion Graham, right, Connor? I mean, a kind of guy that just comes in there and does his work. You know, it's not like he's going to trash talk or anything or look at the crowd and pump them up. No, he's just a quiet guy that wants to go out there and ball. Watching him on Saturday in the exhibition game, and you kind of mentioned earlier, he hit a three in the corner, and then the next possession, pump fake to three, hit a jump shot. He looks like someone who, yeah, you know, he, he'll still need some work playing against D1 competition. It doesn't feel like the game, him and the game are far apart. It looks like the right. game comes easy to him, kind of how you mentioned, kind of quiet. And I think that's that, that's a huge type of freshman who's already ready to play D1 basketball. And he's not going to force his shot. In the second half, there were a few times, you know when VCU does their set where it's kind of like a dribble handoff there, and the guy catches it and immediately triple threat looks at the basket, and you could pop that shot a lot of times, even with a defender in your face. He was kind of getting it and looking for his shot, but then he knew the wiser play was to pass it and keep the ball moving, and I love that from him. He didn't force his shot. He knows he's one of the most highly talented freshmen that's come in here to VCU in a long time, but he didn't feel like, I got to get off 10, 15 shots. So that was a key thing for me. Uh, Let's go around the A-10 right now. The season begins this week. We've got a ton of matchups, including George Mason facing off against Auburn. Right, Bailey? Easily the first... uh Biggest upset, or biggest, uh, we'll say resume builder for the Atlantic 10 on Monday evening, the night we play Manhattan, is George Mason visiting Auburn. You look at George Mason, picked six by the A-10 coaches. You see across the board there, there's an easy top three, Dayton, St. Louis, and VCU in any order. Then it's like four to seven is a combination of Davidson, Richmond, 
Loyola, George Mason. And George Mason's a team, can they pull off an upset on opening night? But that's easily kind of bar none, the the only game where the A-10 can really get some traction on opening night. Caleb, you were talking about an upset with VMI? Yeah, you know, I uh, U of R's roster, I mean, they've had a lot of turnover from a lot of senior guys. I mean, whenever you throw a freshman point guard in the fire, you just don't know what you're going to get. So I think the VMI, you know, I don't really know too much about VMI, but I think it, you know, they could give them a game and potentially upset them. Some of the other games around the A-10, you have Murray State against St. Louis. Oh, yeah. A uh, game that caught my eye was LaSalle against Villanova. Uh, Jay Wright just left. It's a big five matchup. I wouldn't necessarily look for LaSalle to win, but they have Fran Dunphy, the old Temple and Penn coach. So that's just not a give me off the bat. Usually Nova kills LaSalle, but um, it's just a rivalry game. So you never know. It might be somewhat close. And, Dun- and Dunphy's back. Yeah, exactly. Connor, why don't you go around the A-10 for the audience and let them know the new head coaches because there's a lot of moving parts from the last few seasons. Uh, Chris previously already mentioned at LaSalle, longtime Penn coach, longtime Temple coach, and LaSalle graduate, I believe, isn't he, Fran Dunford? Correct, yeah. Yeah, he has the most wins in the history of the Big Five. That's huge. Uh, you look at Davidson, son, Bob, Mike McKillop, Matt McKillop, excuse me, Bob McKillop's son, and Bob McKillop spent, I think it was every bit of 34 years at Davidson. Yeah. It was 87 or 88, I want to say. So he's got big shoes to fill. I imagine he's a phone call away if he has a question. That's a huge mm-hmm. ad. Rhode Island has Archie Miller, longtime or six-year Dayton head coach, went to Indiana, and quite frankly, it just didn't work out. I think he's a massive ad. Is he a guy that has controversy around him? If you followed college basketball Twitter this summer, and uh, I, as I don't have much going on in my life besides uh, <laughs> watching sports, it seems like some former Dayton players are not huge on him. They, they, they appreciate what he did as a coach, but it's, it's kind of like, hey, he doesn't really help me as a man. <laughs> so there's been a little – Dayton fans are kind of glad he left. I, yeah. I've noticed that. We've got the second year of Kim English at George Mason, and I, there's one more we're missing. Wasn't it um, Frank, UMass, right? I, yeah, Frank Martin at UMass. I think he's going to make the, di- the biggest difference in year one. It helps that he brought – a ton of transfers that are uh, that are going to be pretty good, but yeah, I, I think Frank Martin adds a adds a nice dynamic to the conference. So every week we're going to go around the A10 as well as discussing the VCU basketball team. CBS Sports put out an interesting article. I want you guys to react to this. All right, saying the A10 will get at least two bids this season, and a third is on the table. The team most likely to be number three is a usual suspect, VCU. Ranked 7th in defensive efficiency at Ken Palm last season. Led by Ace Baldwin's stout defense, VCU was marred by injury last season. So if Coach Mike Rhodes' guys can stay healthy and they get a huge year from Jameer Watkins, who missed last season due to an ACL, this team can be in the field of 68. Also look for returning uh, shooting guard Jaden Nunn to be a major player for a program that doesn't stay down for long. Across the A-10, kind of following up with that, that article just said, Dayton and St. Louis are getting the biggest publicity this year. Uh, I believe Dayton's already a preseason top 25 AP poll team. I think they're 23rd. 24. 24th. 24th. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis had a lot of votes as well, and VCU across the board was always picked second or third. Predominantly third. I think a couple outlets had them second. But it, we, we've seen the three-bid league happen for multiple years. Last few years, unfortunately, it's only been two-bid teams, and that's not good for the conference. A third team would be great. We could, VCU can do it. They absolutely can do it. You get to play St. Louis and Dayton twice each, so that's opportunities to pick up big wins, let alone you have your out-of-conference games too. So, Caleb, what would you make of that article? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair outlook on the season. 
my problem with that is I think the A-10 as a whole is slept on. It's a competitive conference with some really talented basketball teams. Sometimes we stub our toes at a conference, but a lot of our a lot of our teams build as the season progresses too. And I uh, I think if you let or if you put more A ten turn- teams in the tournament, it makes some waves. I'd say that's fair. Just VCU coming off an NIT appearance, you can't pencil them in like we used to do about like five six years ago. Just automatic NCAA. They definitely have a shot. So I'd say that's a fair analysis in my opinion, Connor. Both y'all statements are fair. A uh, ten again underappreciated. One of the downfalls of the A10 and every A10 fan will admit it is the bottom just being consistently bad yeah uh, Dayton last year had those three quad four losses in the out-of-conference but were in contention for a while then laid an egg at LaSalle the second to last weekend of the year VCU's pretty good at avoiding really bad losses in conference play uh but what, what uh what Chris was saying VCU good team not coming off a season where they made the second weekend or, or won 27 games or NIT team last year so there's not the super hype there or something calling them the third team in the A-10 to make the tournament, but not penciling them in right away. So Yeah, I mean, we all hope that it can be a three-bid league again. Uh, hopefully Loyola Chicago adds some you know piece to this puzzle and they can win a lot in their out-of-conference games. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for the A-10 is that you can't have the bottom half just be as bad as they have been recently. UMass, LaSalle, Fordham, you know, we need one of those teams to go above five hundred. St. Joseph's too. St. Joseph's yeah. was we grew up. They were a one seed in two thousand four, and our first few years in the A ten, they had two out, or they won the A ten tournament twice, uh, beating VCU both times in twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen. And quite frankly, they've been kind of awful for six straight years at a place that I don't, I don't think you expect to win every year, but they should at least be decent. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein, joined by Caleb Jones, Chris Mason, and Connor Bailey. The unofficial VCU basketball podcast with the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. And each week, we're all going to have our own segment. And uh, Chris, you are going to be following the crowd closely this season. Correct. So I'm a 2015 graduate of VCU. Um, when went there obviously was painting my chest as a fan (laughs) wrote for the commonwealth Times, so super passionate it was in the glory years doing shockaville so it slipped a little bit the atmosphere at the stew uh sellout street ended so i'm trying to get it back they got the band director back so I'll be a harsh critic of that and grade the atmosphere each week. So I'm excited for that. It'll be a fun little segment. Yeah, I think the band is definitely something to keep an eye on. I know they're going to bring the excitement back to the level that it was when we were in school there, especially during the 2012-2013 season. I remember that place was nuts. Uh, Caleb, stats to monitor monitor throughout the season. Yeah, I'm going to keep my eyes on uh, particular stats and X's and O's. Um, So, yeah, there's three stats for this upcoming season that I really wanted to monitor. Okay. Aside from three-point percentage and defensive rebounding, because I think those are just wildly important, regardless of who you are. But the first thing is 12 turnovers a game. If we can finish under that per game, we're going to be, I think, in every game that we're playing. Yeah. I mean, that cost us in the A-10 tournament against Richmond. Absolutely. And I think – one thing that it's a huge pet peeve of mine is illegal screens. And when we had Hassan Ward last year <laughs> and Deloach, that's that's not only a turnover, it's also a personal foul, which just, you know, and Deloach is obviously uh, no, he's not unfamiliar with the fouls. So 
Um, yeah, we got to watch those. But I look for Ace to have at least a two to one assist to turnover ratio, okay. uh, because I think that if if that's the case, then our offense is going to be humming along. The second thing is the Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency rating. Can you um, explain that to me? Yeah, it's just it's just like a um, an aggregate rating that uh, all Ken Palm's metrics uh, generate. Um, and obviously, every team is ranked uh, one through three hundred fifty-two, or however many teams are. Uh, we have finished in the top 15, I want to say say three out of the last five years, elite defensive team year after year with Rhodes. And I want us, I want us to be at least in the top 50 because I think the offense is going to take that next step. So um, on the whole, I think if our offense is better and our defense is top 50, we're going to be in a good spot. Lastly, uh, very simple, fouls per 40 with Jalen Deloach. If just, it, just about Jalen. Yeah, just about Jalen. It really is because I think he's such an important piece defensively, just t- clogging up the paint, taking up space, affecting shots and rebounding and scoring in the paint that he needs to be out there. And you can't, like I said, pick up chippy fouls on uh, on an illegal screen 25 feet away from the basket, which they made a habit of doing last year. So those are three things to watch in my opinion. I like the Deloach one especially because – for the first part of the season, we need him to play a ton of minutes. I don't think Christian Furman's going to be ready for college basketball Bingo. right yep. away. Absolutely. First off, love the con- content you guys are providing here, judging the uh, student section and whatnot. And I love all the points you made. One of the points you made, which wasn't one of your top three, is illegal screens. And I just want to say that is a call that has been more increasingly every season called in college basketball. Yeah, every year emphasis, I feel like I'm, especially on us it seems. Yeah, and it yeah. just it felt like last year. I mean, I, the amount of times I was watching a game. Between Levi Stockard and Hassan Ward, it was at least two or three times a game. So I, I love I love the input you're putting, things you just want to focus on. Because if you're just watching a game and just kind of taking it at face value, it, you're not diving in to all, all all the certain aspects. I love that we have a couple couple things to watch, and I'm going to watch them myself too. Me too. So. Yeah. All right, Connor, you have this week in VCU history. How is this segment going to work? So lifelong Ram fan here. Uh, been to I had a streak from 2010 till 2020 where I did not miss a home regular season men's basketball game. So Love I've been it. around. I've seen a lot of games, been to a lot of road games with my, my dad and my brother. So uh, like you said, this week in Ram history, it's hard to do this day in Ram history being a college basketball sport where you only play once or twice a week. But uh, based off when the game's played, so this upcoming game is going to be played on November 7th, I will choose a game in that week frame that it's a, it's a game in VCU men's basketball history. Not necessarily did I go to it. It could be a majority of them. In recent time, or 21st century games will come to mind, but it's a game in VCU history. And I'm going to lead off right now. So, a little background. We had a good March and April in 2011. So, when any, whenever you have a successful sports season, you kind of you kind of drink the champagne for a while. Hold on. Are you talking about March and April 2012 or March and April of the 2011 Final Four run? I'm referencing March and April 2011. It was a great time. We're kind of drinking champagne all summer and whatnot. Yeah. And then, really, up until the ESPYs presentation in July, it's it, we're kind of still living that high. So whenever sports seasons happen uh, in baseball, you come back for spring training. Football, it's training camp. All of a sudden, it's, hey, it's not last season anymore. So I get on campus as a freshman 2011, and it's a new team. I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, well, Bradford Burgess is a starter, but we have two juniors, Darius Theus and Troy Daniels, who didn't play a lot last year. We have a seven-foot guy, DJ Haley, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's a different roster. So a game that really holds a lot of, a lot of, a lot of heart to me that it's in this week in Ram history was November 11th, 2011. And we hosted St. Francis. It was the first game at the Siegel Center since the Final Four run. And it oh, was wow. th- there was a buzz to the arena that day. It was, heck, you know, we're, we're unleashing. I'm, I was going to say the banner, but it was actually two banners. It was the Final Four banner. And 
I didn't choose it, but the number six national ranking banner, I don't know who chose that one. It was only up there for three or four years, but it was, there was a buzz. I was a freshman. I remember, I remember my boy Murph. So a couple of us, Caleb, you might not know him, but our, our boy Murph, he was my roommate in college and he had a little too much Taylor Jerry that night. That's all I'm going to say. He didn't, he didn't make it to the game. So I, uh, unfortunately I can't, I can't smell Taylor Jerry anymore solely because of Murph. But anyways, so that's a, a game I remember so much, but uh, the big reason why is it was kind of a St. Francis, not a great team. It was kind of a slow moving game. Final score was 63 to 57, but we led 60 to 57 with about 30 seconds left. And a junior named Troy Daniels, who had broke his foot the year before, did not play much, hits a three, extends it to six with like 18 seconds left, and we end up winning by six. So it's just a game that I really remember that, that, that's, that really was so strong for me. It was my first game as a student. It was the first game back in the stew. It was the renovated stew. The Tommy J. West Club had just been built that summer. Yeah. And it was a new, a fresh team. And I'm like, hey, I don't know how good this team's going to be. They ended up winning 28 regular season games, which was the most regular season wins in VCU history. I'm glad you brought up that game. That was my first game going to ever of my entire life, my first VCU basketball game at the Seagull Center. I had seen VCU growing up in Northern Virginia. I'd seen them a ton coming to Mason, uh, but never at the Stew. And uh, I remember it, man. It was a good game. So with that said, another parlay into this segment every week I'm going to play is, Caleb, name that starting five. You get five options. Who, who was in the starting lineup that night? I think Theus was at one. Correct. Uh, Brandenburg at two. All right. Keep going. Troy at Three. Troy was starting. Okay. Uh, Bradford at four. Bradford was starting. Oh, Bar- Bradford was starting. Oh. And I, I was was DJ Haley. Did he transfer? No, DJ? no, no. Javante Reddick. Javante oh, Reddick and DJ Haley. Yeah. So, Let's go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, Darius Theus, thirty-seven minutes. Reddick and Burgess both thirty-one minutes. Daniels twenty-nine. DJ Haley started at nineteen minutes. Now Brandenburg. Oh, hey, Haley's the starter. Yeah. Nice. Now Brandenburg played twenty-nine minutes, but he did not start that game. So who started at the two then? Daniels started it too. Oh, Burgess okay. at three. We went big that night. Yeah, that DJ is Haley. big. Yeah. So now, granted, Rob Brandenburg had the, had more minutes than DJ Haley, but uh, the other minutes: Trevion Graham, freshman; Brantley Weber, yeah. freshman, twelve and ten minutes, and a freshman Jared Guest played two minutes. So we had nine Ooh. guys play that night. I love it. And my segment every week is just going to be bringing the energy. I'm so hyped for the season tipping off November 7th. And so I just want to close the podcast by going around the room and giving official predictions. How will this season end? Will it end with an NCAA tournament loss? Will it end with an A-10 tournament loss? Or will it end with another banner being lifted at the Seagull Center? Connor, go first. So 13 out of conference games. I think we win about 10 of them. Uh, We pick up a a win or two in Brooklyn, maybe a, a road win at Memphis or Temple. And I think we go at least 14-4 and four in the Atlantic 10, a top three seed in the conference tournament. We compete for a conference title, and I think we're playing the NCAA tournament in March. Caleb. Yeah, 10 seed, NCAA tournament. I'm going to go with the safe prediction with used to happen all the time. I'm going to say top four seed, A-10 tournament, lose the conference championship game. <laughs> and then um, I'd say first, we'll be in the Dayton rounds. Uh, first first four. four, yeah, but we'll be in it. So I think this team is very talented, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a diehard fan of this team. I really think there's an X factor with the two Michigan guys. They are legit ballers, Brandon Johns Jr. and Zeb Jackson. There's another huge X factor, my season MVP that I talked about, Jameer Watkins. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be ready. That knee brace is not going to be an issue this season. I have VCU as the regular season A-10 champs, and like Chris Mason said, we make it to Sunday, but we lose on Sunday. We still dancing, though. (laughs) I'm I'm excited, man. I think this is we we mentioned earlier, Caleb kind of dove into it earlier with all the shooters. It feels like a team, especially in the Rhodes era. We've been great defensively. We've all we, the Rhodes era. The Rhodes staff has done a great job of taking guys that were 
not averaging a ton of points the year before, but Tillman made a jump. Marcus Edmonds made a jump. Bones made a jump. Vince Williams made a jump. And I think Jameer, Jameer Watkins is my pick to do that this year, but I, they've always done that. It's just offensively, we've never been great. And we don't need to be a top 15 offense, but I think this is a top 100 offense, which has not happened in the Rhodes era. I think that's going to carry us all year long. We have the three-point shooters, but can we take and make good three-point shots, not just chuck them up because we're open? That's going to be key. For Connor Bailey, Caleb Jones, and Chris Mason, I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an unofficial VCU basketball show here with the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, Nat 105.1 FM. We'll see you guys next Thursday.